Arsenal have lost an AFC North round table, your premier go-to source for totally unbiased AFC North discourse, really the only place talking about all of the AFC North teams. Jacob Bailey is here in his Steelers cap. Ethan DeVille is here in his new Bengals orange jersey at the Jamar Chase, right, DeVille? Yes. Looking good, looking good. And I am here, and I'm slightly depressed because I just watched my team get defeated on a last-second field goal. But we'll get to that. First, I want to revisit something from past podcasts. We talked, I think it was one of our first podcasts. We were, we were saying we had beef with the Amazon Web Services and their commercials telling us to stat that. Stat that. Well, unfortunately, they have not let up in their ad campaign, but they have new commercials, new ads. And the latest one I saw is these people, obviously, you know, they're all saying stat that, stat that, stat Somebody's, you know, taking on somebody in Madden. And the girl says, yeah, stat that. And then at the very end, it's Calais Campbell of Ravens, one of the teams we cover here of the Ravens. He's signing a football for, for some guy, or I think it's a kid. And he, he like hands it back to the kid and says, stat that kid. As you know, as he has like his super deep voice, like one of the coolest voices out there. But then they zoom in on the football. He really, he literally signed the football, stat that. He didn't even write his name. So how upset would you be if you're getting autographs, you're waiting, you know, we're not big adult autograph seekers here. I kind of shame those people. But if you're getting, say, your new Jamar Chase jersey signed and he just has this sick catch and he's telling you to Billy, he says, stat that kid. And he signs your jersey right on the Uno there. But instead of writing Jamar Chase, he writes stat that. I'd be pissed. I'd be furious because, like, what does that even mean? It's just their weird little slogan. It has no, I no place in our game nerds no i just i know right see here's the thing it's like i you know how every year they have that like most overused word of 20 whatever like you know Uh you know how that's a thing every year they'll be like i feel like the most overused word in the nfl this year has got to be analytics i'm Uh. so sick of hearing the word analytics from these from like joe buck and these guys that have never even looked at them it's just it's driving me nuts Everyone's the, jacking off to PFF, which I Because the Chargers keep going for it on fourth down all the damn time. I know, and they love that. They're like, the analytics, they are freaking well, out. Fourth, fourth down on my own 29, let's go for it. Let's go. Well, the analytics say they can go. Every time the Bengals go for a two-point conversion, like, or for a fourth and one, every single time, they're like, well, the, the analytics. analytics. There's a, so much emphasis in today's league on the analytics. And I'm like, shut up. Just let me watch this play and be stressed out. I'll call back to Madden. If you're on, you know, fourth and three from your own 29 on Madden, I'm fully confident I'll get those three yards. But do I want my team doing that in real life? Not really. No. Yeah. It not, is not really. fun. I will say it is fun seeing a slight surge in the league in things like going forward on fourth and two fake punt we've seen so many fake punts this year i feel like am i making that up i really do feel like we've seen a lot saw one tonight um, fake field goals not so much there was one tonight fake field goals not, not so much that is kind of just a madden thing like who in real life attempts a fake field goal when is the punter who's receiving the snap going to be able to actually <laughs> complete a pass on anybody that's never going down no we but see about one of those cool a year see, yeah it is kind of that. cool to see two point conversions these fourth and twos these fake punts but no one's going to stat that fake field goal it's it's uh, it's gonna be terrible don't even try no so amazon web services we still have beef jeff bezos i know you're behind this all i know you're the one you know in the nfl's pockets here telling them to stat that shoving it down our throats so bezos get out of here buddy I've, I've, I've had enough i've had enough especially you know we approach the holiday season i'm sure amazon's getting enough of our money as is so the last yeah. thing i need is them to stat that on every single commercial break and every single uh, thing that we're watching. So yeah, the analytics are important, but we're big on, as Colin Coward once said, the manalytics as well. When you really, yes. when it gets down to it, who, who has the clutch gene, okay. the manalytics. <laughs> I'm not against the analytics at all. I think it is very important to take stats and whatnot into consideration in your game plan, but I'm just, I'm sick of hearing the word analytics from these announcers that don't know what they're talking about. And they're just using it as a buzzword. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's my rant of the week. I'm already, it's already, we're three minutes in. I'm like, That's it. Well, your team won, Billy, so you don't really have to give us an extended rant this week. And yours did as well, JBiz. I think, honestly, this is probably, and I could be wrong. I'm not looking back at all the schedules right now, but this seems like it's the first time where I am the only loser, the biggest loser 
of this podcast with my team taking the defeat and you guys both coming in here with a W. But the Ravens also got an L as well. So I'm not alone in my misery. We just don't have a Ravens fan on this podcast. And Davili is eating his W right in my face. Supposed to be on a diet, Davili. You got the holiday season. Actually, out of anybody here, Davili, you're the one who needs to not be on a diet. We need to put you on like a weight gain. Give you those uh, calteen bars like from Mean Girls. Bro, I've been listening though. I'm looking good. Flexing a little biceps. Look at you. I'm gonna be getting jacked. Flexing on on the benefits of buying an adult small jersey. You look jacked. I look. I upgraded (laughs) to medium. Look, I'm wearing medium now. I'm a full grown adult at 27. Welcome. Here we go. Yeah, happy early birthday to the village. You'll probably be uh, 27 right by the time this podcast actually drops. So happy birthday to you. From all our listeners out there, I'm sure they'll wish you a a personal happy birthday. Send a personal message to you at Ethan DeVille on Twitter. DeVille with a Z at the end. Speaking (laughs) Speaking of technology, we talked about the Amazon Web Services. I also saw some technology being destroyed on Sunday Night Football, courtesy of who many call the the goat the greatest of all time? Tom Brady is slamming his the tablet, Microsoft Surface tablet on the ground, and we also saw Tom Brady look like a brat in this game, for real, because he has that whole thing with the tablet that we see. We see him mouth to it looks like the Saints defensive coordinator, like "fuck you" or "go go fuck yourself" or something like that. And I just think like. We, we, we laugh at it, but you know, if that was Baker Mayfield doing that, it'd be like, oh, Baker Mayfield is out of control. First, this guy grabs his crotch in college. Clearly, he hasn't learned his lesn. Here he is in it, but because it's Tom Brady, he has all these rings. He's like, he, yeah. Instead, he he's like, fire. oh, he's so competitive. Yes. Yeah. So, competitive. no, they all are, but it's just the story that you take on each one, right? Yeah. It's if that's 100% true. If that's Lamar Jackson or if that's, uh, well, Russell Wilson would never do that, but like we think about other quarterbacks in the league, more fringe guys, if they're cussing out the opponent's coaches, like that's Bush League. That's Bush League behavior. You wouldn't get away with that in high school. You wouldn't get away with that in college. The NFL is the only place, and they didn't even like flag it because nobody saw it, obviously. True. But he might get fined. He probably won't because the NFL wouldn't be the NFL without Tom Brady. So he'll get away with it for sure. It's not going to get fined. It's also. You're right. It's also especially annoying because of the emphasis we've seen on these bullshit taunting penalties lately. Right. Like if my boy Von Bell gets a 15-yard penalty and a fine for pointing at an offensive player after making a tackle, like and and Tom can just do that. It is. It's kind of frustrating. It's it's whatever. It's clear favoritism. But Tom's the goat. The goat. Uh, I think I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of a Tom Brady hater, but also, you know, I can appreciate the greatness because we'll probably all miss it when we're gone. But like right now, I just I don't want to see him win. He's got it all made. He's got his, you know, Botox injections, his face looking younger than ever, hair, hair plugs for sure. His hair's longer. Absolutely. Looking more thick. If our if our great listeners don't follow him already, if you follow the great Barry McCockner on Twitter, he loves to highlight just the stats that Tom has that are just bogus how he's helped by defenses helped by star power go go check him out well, we saw <laughs> with his top two targets mike evans and chris godwin and also leonard fournette out saw how inept that bucks offense was and yes the saints have a great defense but you got to think you know maybe with some of his normal weapons there in tampa tom would have looked a little better and they wouldn't have been shut out last night but we're not talking about the NFC South here. We're focusing on the AFC North. So we'll bring it up the, the map, move north yeah. uh, to uh, Cleveland, where tonight my Browns, hampered by the coronavirus, COVID-19, missing all too many players to count. Top two quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum out. Nick Mullins gets the start for the Browns out of uh, Southern Miss. He started a few games a couple of years ago for the Niners. And when Jimmy G was hurt, it was kind of, he was going back and forth with CJ Beathard, Nick Mullins and him going back and forth and looked good there. I think he looked good tonight, but it was not enough for the Browns. 16, 14, Daniel Carlson hitting the walk-off 48 yarder to win it for the Raiders. And for me guys, this is like, I've had about, you know, an hour to diagnose this loss at this point. I feel a lot better now, but I still feel a lot of pain. It's one of those, you know, the kick goes through 
the uprights and I just sit there and I said, shit. And I just stared at my TV with my arms crossed for a good, like three minutes. Didn't move. Cause you can't move. You just, I the pain that. hits you so deep, so deep. And I just, ugh, it's, it's so painful in this one because the Browns did not look great. Their defense again, looks, looks very good. Even with how hampered it was due to all the COVID positives, they had one safety that they've had, like one of their safeties, John Johnson. Otherwise, you know, Ronnie Harrison out with COVID, Grant Delpit out with COVID, uh, Troy Hill out with COVID, their nickelback. So hampered defensively big time and hampered offensively. And as I said, no quarterback, no Jarvis Landry, no Austin Hooper, no Kareem Hunt, although he may not have came come back for this game anyways, but no Jed Wills, the starting left tackle. Browns were actually rolling with guard Joel Batonio they rotated him over to left tackle for tonight's game and they protected Mullins pretty well for the most part and the Browns went up in this game they got the 14-13 lead with about four minutes left in the fourth quarter with the touchdown pass to Harrison Bryant and that's what I'm thinking yes yes we did it like somehow we did it with the third string quarterback the practice squad guy we somehow made it through and then Derek Carr comes back onto the field and our defense has a big interception. Greedy Williams on a deep ball picks it off. And the Browns had the ball with, I think it's about two minutes, two and a half minutes, two forty maybe. And they go three and out three run plays. The Raiders use some timeouts and the last one was third and three. And of course, everyone in the world thinks the Browns are going to run it. And what do they do? The Browns run it and they get no gain. The Raiders stacked the box. They had about nine guys in there and Nick Chubb had nowhere to go. It's at that point. He lost yards on that play. Yes, exactly. And you start to question, okay, they're also without their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who tested positive for COVID. He's the play caller normally. So they're relying on Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator. And are these guys just not ballsy? Yes, if you know, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you run a play action there and it goes incomplete, you stop the clock, you're going to get ridiculed for it. But everyone knows you're going to run the ball just pass the like run play action maybe a quick pass you need three yards you have guys like nick moles was starting to heat up in the second half he started to look good as the browns were coming from behind and they just tried to drain it with nick chubb and you leave the raiders with you know the two minute warning they get the ball back and go right down the field no timeouts eventually get right over the you know inside the 30 there and or inside the, the 40 yard line Daniel Carson boots through the uh, the game-winning field goal. And it's just so frustrating because especially after you get that interception, you think the game's won. It's like, okay, we made the stop we needed to make. All we need is one first down. I thought one it was. first down. One first down. That's all you need. And they couldn't get it done. And it's just so frustrating because the competitiveness in this division, all the teams are so close together. If the Browns would have won this game, they would have been the division leaders and would have been holding on to that fourth spot in the AFC playoffs, but they lose the game and now they're last in the division because they're the only team with seven losses. <laughs> it's just like through all of the obstacles presented by COVID and yes, the game got delayed two days to where they're playing at Monday or on Monday at five. Although to be honest with you, I don't know how much delaying the game two days really helped because yes, we got three guys back that were activated, one being Wyatt Teller, guard, John Johnson, the third being activated, Anthony Walker, linebacker. But two more guys went on the COVID list like, during that time. So really it's like a net positive of one, one that one guy you're getting back. So it's like, why we're almost giving them more time for guys to test positive. I don't know. I, I don't know what the proper decision by the NFL is there. I just, it's very frustrating. Then you see like when it does get postponed, all the Raiders, like it just gives the Raiders extra motivation because they were literally about to get on the bus to get on the plane. And then they got the call from the NFL. Hey, we're postponing until Monday. But you know, for those guys that like throws off their schedule, they're pissed off now. So they have extra motivation to come to Cleveland and really take it to the Browns and make sure they don't win because of the NFL. But everyone's saying like, Oh, it's a competitive advantage for the Browns to get this two day grievance period this two-day delay but how is it a competitive advantage the browns were at a competitive disadvantage and it's not like the browns weren't adhering to covid protocol that's the biggest misconception about this whole thing 
is that these Browns were, you know, these guys were all out at the club, must have been one heck of a party. I was talking to my boss today. He said, oh, must have been one heck of a party. And, I, you know, I can't say anything <laughs> to him. But I'm just thinking, like, no, not all these guys are vaccinated. Every like, There's one player on the Browns who isn't vaccinated, and he is not one of the guys that tested positive. And even Stefanski. Who is vaccinated. it? I, I they have they haven't said, but they have publicly said. I figured said, they wouldn't, but I don't yeah, know. that's HIPAA, bro. <laughs> they have publicly said that you know there's only one player that we have that's not vaccinated. So it's Baker. Yeah, it's not Baker. He it's, said he it's has. Baker. <laughs> he, they said Baker is vaccinated because they kept saying he just needs to get the two negative, the one negative, the one well one negative. No, now it's one. So they basically. The NFLPA had like went in there and they um, there's like a new rule that's if the quality of the test is to a certain standard, you only need the one negative test. Interesting. So I don't know what that means. Was that part but... of the revised guidelines that were adjusted this week, basically because yes. of the Browns and the the Rams and the Washington football team? Yes. Huh. Yeah, I saw that they're basically like it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation. Like to where if you're asymptomatic, you don't have to like, and you may test positive, but you're asymptomatic, you you don't have to sit out now. I guess I don't know. It seems very confusing to me. Who knows? It's a mess. It is a mess, and it's it's really ironic too because we have all these guys testing positive, and the NFL is keeping them out because it's this big you know safety issue. And then you have like the Browns president of operations. I see him tweeting today. He's like, all right, guys, we're going to pack the stadium. Let's get loud, Cleveland. You're just packing 70,000 people into this stadium where <laughs> clearly like COVID is spiking for like the, the biggest in the biggest way since uh, since last spring, you know? Right. So it's a little ironic how it all goes. I'm not saying they, they should have limited the capacity for this game. Again, I don't really know what you do at this point. Because you know we're all we're all oh, vaccinated here. I'm getting my booster tomorrow. Not exactly looking forward to it because I've heard it's a little rough. But you know I'm doing what I can for the greater good. We're here. both. Ethan and I are both boosted. You'll be fine. Yeah. So I felt a bit a wee bit groggy, but I was fine. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was a, I was I a like little I strange. Yeah, I was a little strange that evening, but other than that, it was fine. Yeah. Well, my strategy here is I get it. You know, before I have the the couple days off for the holiday. So that hopefully, you know, I don't have to like sit through work. I can relax a little bit, but I just sit through work and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know it will. I know it will. Cause I, I still have to work on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm getting it on Tuesday morning. So not exactly looking forward to those two days, but if it's an extended symptoms for my booster, you know, we can relax a little bit on Christmas Eve and watch some, uh, some bowl games or something like that. There you go. But hey, I do have one thing to say in regard to that Nick Chubb run that got blown up in the backfield on third down. I'm sorry to bring it back up, Corey, but I gotta say it because it involves all of us. It's not just that run. I'm being dead serious when I say what is up with all three of our teams and their obsession with putting the ball in the running back's hands on third and long this season. Your boys are doing it, Corey. My guys are doing it. J Biz, your guys are at least throwing it to Najee Harris. But when you're throwing it <laughs> third and twelve, is that really helping you at all? Yeah, I don't think it's. Really I'm serious. Much what is up with all three of our teams? And it's yeah. third and eleven. They're like, "Yep, give it to the running back." What is up with that? Have you guys noticed this trend? Yeah, it's almost like they're. My dad's always had this theory that some teams save a bunch of calls for the uh, playoffs, right? So, you know, there will be like a whole portion of their playbook that they've been practicing all year but they don't you know they don't they don't use it to the playoffs he he thinks that like tom brady and belichick were were good for mm-hmm. that but i always wonder that i'm always like Why? man i hope i hope that's what's going on and not just us being you know inept and play calling yeah right there is nothing more frustrating than when it's like third and nine and you throw it to your running back behind the line of scrimmage and i'm like oh my god he's gonna be lucky if he gets caught <laughs> here and then sure as shit, it's fourth yeah. and seven right after that. And you're like, what was that? Yeah. Frustrating to say the least. It is. Obviously, it's a little bit of a different situation because in this one, I think it was third and three. And Nick Chubb is like, you know, with all these guys out. Now, that'd be normally like maybe yes. a Jarvis Landry. That was an spot. outlier. Yes. Maybe that's normally a Jarvis Landry spot where he can run like a quick, you know, hitch or like a slant or something like that and be the reliable guy. But we saw Donovan Peoples-Jones, the top receiver for the Browns in this one, drop a couple balls. David Njoku, 
is like the next best guy they had out there. So I really don't know like what the play call is. And it's also something when you talk about like saving plays, Jabez, when we see all the going back to Davili talking about all these teams going forward on fourth down, I would think that maybe like a few years ago, these teams have like maybe like five good fourth down or two point conversion plays. And now you're at this point in the season and we've gone for it on fourth down, like 36 times. <laughs> like what <laughs> do we have right. good plays left? But you're, yeah. you're kind of shooting all your shots, you know, getting rid of all your bullets way too early. Speaking of bullets, what was that in the background there, Davies? No, I'm just messing cat. with you. <laughs> it was that the cat. cat. So, yeah. It was the gat. <laughs> yeah. Very, very frustrating to say the least, especially because, like, I, it's an emotional roller coaster because the first half of this game comes and goes. The Browns are down 10 nothing at half shut out nick chubb looks like crap and he only had 12 yards rushing in the first half and i'm thinking like okay they're gonna get blown out in this game but the raiders as we've discussed are not really that great of a team but they had it in the end to uh you know get that field goal to defeat the browns and it's just really frustrating because now you look at the the nfl playoff picture in the afc and the browns are like way at the bottom they're right now at 12th because other than the three teams that have been eliminated, the Jets, Texans, and Jags, every other team has seven wins or more in the AFC. So they're just stuck in the muck. And they could have been locked into that. Well, not locked, but they would have had that playoff spot had they won this game. And, yes, we still have three more games left. It's a long year, as we've said many, many times. But that long year, the time is running out. It's like an hourglass, and we only have a few grains of sand left at the top. And being stuck at seven wins with – half the league is not a great place to be at this juncture. It's even worse than you, Biz. Your Steelers at least have the tie to put them above us and the Raiders uh-huh. and the Dolphins, but in the yep. Broncos. But you told me at the beginning of the year, the Browns with three games left are going to be in the same spot as the Denver Broncos and the Raiders and the Dolphins. Yeah, the Dolphins had high expectations, but I think we all knew that they're... did the, the Dolphins, Dolphins are, start off one and seven too? Yeah, they've won six in a row. Yeah, wow. like they started they off have won one six and consecutive seven. games. Think about that. Yeah, the fact that we're even talking about them in playoff times is a feat of its own. Wow. Well, you know, they stopped uh, threatening Tua with that Deshaun Watson trade talk. They did, right? They Remember when that well was a thing? Since. And they also God. had Jacoby Brissett for a lot of those games, too, starting instead cool. of Tua while he was hurt. So that has something to do with it as well. But disappointing and depressing to see the Browns at seven and seven and the Raiders also at seven and seven despite all the crap that they've gone through this season so disappointing yet again 16 14 it always feels like we're losing games to the Raiders like this that we should win last year it was the grapple where they lost because of the weather essentially and then a few years back Baker's rookie season this was actually the game where it was kind of the Nick Chubb coming out party. He has three carries and like 150 some yards and two touchdowns. That's when like Hugh Jackson was like, we got to find a way to get Nick Chubb the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just hand him the ball. Like three carries and two touchdowns. He's a running back. Just give him the ball. <laughs> he had like a 70 yard touchdown and a 40 yard touchdown in that game. But that was a game where there was a, Miles Garrett and I think Jannard Avery combined for like a strip sack where they it was clearly like in the flow of play, but they blew the, the play dead and you know basically ruled that Derek Carr like you know was in the grasp or whatever before he had let go of the ball. But it was like the most clear, like, no, this is not in the grass. This is definitely like as the play is going, and then the Ravens ended up winning that game in overtime. 45 42 it's just like the Raiders for some reason have the Browns number even when the Raiders are not a a great team they have not been a great team over these past few years they just find some way to beat the Browns every single time and that is so infuriating because I think we're probably going to play them again based off of just the uh well a hunch on my behalf but also the way the you know interdivision standings line up with like the Browns maybe finishing like third or fourth or something the Raiders also finishing third or fourth in mm-hmm. theirs. So I would love to see them again because I still think the Browns are a better team. I still think 
Well, I'm not sure if Baker Mayfield is better than Eyeliner Derek Carr, but <laughs> I think <laughs> the rest of our Derek team is Carr. for sure better than theirs. So very right. frustrating once again. So I, I'll get off my soapbox here. 16-14, Browns needed this one, and they did not get it. So maybe this season is in limbo. Since it is a round table, only one team in this division was able to beat the Raiders this year. Mm. Those Bengals. That's because they have Joe Mixon. Kind of Joe Mixon, for some reason, is always a Raiders killer. The other team that lost in the AFC North this weekend on a little different terms was the Ravens falling 31 to 30 against the Packers. The Packers lock up the NFC North division crown with this win. And the Ravens, you know, they're always down and out in every single one of these games, it seems like, until they're not. And this is a game I kind of stopped tuning into. I was, you know, I see the Ravens, they're down, was it 31-17 in the fourth? And, you know, they're driving, and I think, oh, you know, they might score here, but there's no way. Like, Aaron Rodgers is on the other end. The Packers are so good. There's no way. And then I turn it back on, and I see the Ravens going for two for the win (laughs) after they score their second touchdown in the fourth quarter there. And yet again, the Ravens do not convert that two-point conversion. J-Biz, they failed against your Steelers a couple weeks back. Here they do it again against the Packers, trying to get the ball to Mark Andrews in the corner of the end zone. And he's double covered because, as I say, the Ravens have one playmaker other than Lamar Jackson, and that that is Mark Andrews. And obviously the Packers know that too. But John Harbaugh putting his sack on the table once again, trying to get it done. So I think, you know, Tyler Huntley, great game, really looks like a guy that in a similar system to the Ravens could be a starting quarterback in that system. You know, he has 28 of 40, two touchdowns over 200 yards, also has 73 yards on the ground and two touchdowns, you know, very Lamar-esque. I think he was the first in Ravens history, the first Ravens quarterback to throw for two touchdowns and a run for two touchdowns in the same game. First. So Lamar has never done that. Joe Flacco never did that. Kyle Bowler. say so. (laughs) RG3. Trent Dilfer. Never did that. No. So very interesting, you know, and Mark Andrews, once again, a huge game, 136 yards and two touchdowns from Huntley. But what do we think? I mean, it's been long debated. We're not going to be the first ones. We're not going to be the last ones to debate this. Did the Ravens make the right call by going for two yet again in this one? Obviously, hindsight's 20-20. They don't get it. But if that's your team, do you want them to go for two? In that situation, when it is so high risk and you're this late in the season and the division and the playoff spot is on the line, I personally would have kicked the extra point. If it was week two, then yeah, I'm all about it. Go for that. But this late, I mean, I don't blame them for doing it with with the analytics we have now. Right. Studies show that you're you're likely to get it. But man, I mean, it's almost too ballsy. And I respect Harbaugh for doing it. I really do. It's cool that he's going to make that shot, but he didn't make the shot, I guess. I take back what I just said. He took the shot. He, he missed. took the shot. It's just, it, there's so much on the line now, especially in division this tight. And I just, oh, you see what happens when you don't get it. And that's all I have to say. We are now atop the division. And so I, I applaud you, John Harbaugh, for making that call. <laughs> JB, your team benefited from it. So what would you do? I know the Steelers have always been kind of before the, uh, the league started to catch on as a whole. The Steelers have long been a team that's, in favor of going for two but would you do it in that situation i don't think i would and again it's tough i mean when you're playing without your best player on offense sometimes you're trying to take anything you can get Mm -hmm. so going for two you're like let's get out of here let's get this game over with now let's not try and extend this any longer uh because i mean look who they're playing against they're playing against aaron Rodgers, and they recognize that now against the Steelers, it was because they were they were down so many people on defense. Their thought was, if we can avoid having to play defense again, that's going to be best. Uh, and Harbaugh said it was a gut feeling to go for it. Well, they still are down a lot of those guys on defense. They're still yeah, dealing yeah. with the super depleted secondary, and yep. they didn't exactly stop Aaron Rodgers in this one. I think the Packers only punted once in the second half, and that was the one that gave the Ravens the ball back to score the potentially game tying game winning touchdown. I don't know. I think 
with the fact that the Ravens do have Justin Tucker, all you need is one stop in overtime, and you're all but guaranteed to win the game if you get over midfield. Yes. And yeah, it's a little different, you know, in the cold at Lambeau. Actually, they were in Baltimore, so they yeah, never mind. They're in Baltimore at home. You got the defense, so you got the crowd on your side. <laughs> you kick the extra point, and obviously you still have all the momentum. You just scored 14 unanswered points in the last four and a half minutes of the game. Now, there's also the factor of if they kick the extra point or even if they convert on a two-point conversion, there's 40 seconds on the clock for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And normally we'd say, you know, like, uh, you know, going into overtime. But with Aaron Rodgers, it's all but guaranteed that he's going to at least get him close to field goal range. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's the threat of Rodgers on the other end. I don't know. I, I probably would have kicked it as well. I understand going for two because, like, if you can, with your backup quarterback, get that two-point conversion, he's had a great game. Obviously, you're going up, and you you could win the game right there. Yeah. But I don't know. It's I, I have beef more, most so with the play call. The fact that so many teams tend to do this in crucial situations, not like our teams. They didn't give it to their running back. But <laughs> the rollout to, to the right side of the field where you're – essentially cutting off the entire left side of the field. Yeah. Like if you have like a guy that. like if you have a guy like Tyler Huntley back there that can scramble, extend the play, like at least let him drop back straight and I don't mm-hmm. know, give him more than one option to throw to. I think, right. you know, as we said, the Packers know who that ball is going to go to. We or give him an entire to. field to run that two yards if he can pull it off. Yeah, and not he, just that little 10 yard sliver where it's like get into the pylon, you know precisely and he has you know the two rushing touchdowns that bring them back in the game maybe he could run for one more two-point conversion but this kind of goes back to the thing we were talking about last week they didn't go for two i think what the analytics say the villi is that if you're down 14 you go for two the first time to see if you can you know either be down eight points and you're still in the game or you're down six points and then you can kick the extra point to win it they went for two the second time so very strange because, like, you know, last week the Ravens did it when they were down nine. They went for two, and they failed, and it was still a two-score game. But even in this case, if you fail the first time, it's still a one-score game. You just need to get that two-point conversion. So yeah, Harbaugh is consistent with it in going forward in these crucial potential game-winning situations. But if you are really all that analytically charged, John Harbaugh, you should just go for it the first time, and then you wouldn't have this great dilemma of a two point conversion, potentially determining the game one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just, it's just... true. Cause you're right. I, it's interesting that we only see it in like these make or break scenarios. Like it's almost, cause it wouldn't be rubbing it in. Let me explain it like this. If let's say you go up before halftime on a team, 21 to nothing, or let's say it's 20, nothing. You haven't kicked the extra point yet. Mm-hmm. Would you go for two in a scenario like that and just go up 22, nothing, or is that pointless to you guys? Cause I feel like it's like, eh, screw it like you're up by 20 at this point get get that extra point in there and make it so they got they really got to come back on you i i don't think we'll ever see that but i know jay biz a couple years ago the steelers maybe it was that year that boswell was struggling a bunch they would if they scored on like their first drive of the game they would go for it nearly every time yeah they they did have a year where they were doing that a lot yeah. that's what it seemed um, like to me that's the smart call see yeah exactly yeah still- i like the, i like the opening opening drive touchdown go for two yeah um, like second drive yeah opening drive makes a lot of sense what you were saying too Corey. Uh, i mean I, I do agree with that because you know if you're down 14 you score not 15 but like you said 14 you score you go for two if you get it then hey cool you're down that six yeah much better you can potentially win the game at the end but if you don't get it then you just have to go for two again and at that point you have to get it so you're giving yourself a fail safe if you plan on going for two at the end. Yeah. So I kind of agree with that. In that sense, I would have gone for it the touchdown before if you knew that you were going to go for it anyway. Yeah. And obviously hindsight's 2020. You know, we could sit here and be our Monday morning quarterback and tell them what they should have done, what they could have done. But as the analytics tell us to Billy, that's what you should do. That's what everyone's been saying. I think for the last couple of years, that's like a well-known narrative that you're supposed to go for two the first time, give you that opportunity, but maybe Harbaugh just forgot or he's caught up in the moment. I don't know. 
interesting, but he's been getting a lot of scrutiny. I think his players have always been behind him in these decisions, though. I think the Ravens actually released a like a mic'd up clip because Harbaugh was mic'd up for the game where he's talking it over with the players and all the players in the moment are in agreement with him. They want to go win that game. And even after the fact, after the failed uh, two point conversion, the players, you know, some I think Mark Andrews came, gave him a hug like so I got you coach like that was the right call. That was the right decision. And, you know, we could sit on Twitter and bitch and moan and like, oh, why did they go for two? They could have had over, you know, they got Justin Tucker, but it's hindsight's 2020. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the Ravens fall to eight and six, 31 30. Crazy game. Like, honestly, it seems like the Packers are always playing good games. The Ravens are always playing good games. It's nice for us from our perspective to see the Ravens not come out on top in some of these because this is probably yes. their fifth or sixth game this season where it's come down to maybe one play or one possession at the end of the game. And for the most part, up until the last few weeks, they've converted on all those. Like we think about the Lions game with the 66-yarder from Tucker. That's one that sticks out in my mind, but also several others. They're just always, you know, coming out on top. The Colts so, game. Yeah, the Colts game where they were down and out. And this one, they were down and out as well. Like I said, I checked out of this game. And, of course, they proved me wrong yet again, coming back to give themselves the opportunity to win. But thankfully for all of us here, they failed to do so. So they are now level with those Bengals. The Bengals have the tiebreaker advantage over them in the division. Both the next few days, at least. We'll see. Hopefully we keep it. We shall we shall we shall see it's exciting as we get down to the home stretch here moving on though to one of the victorious teams in the afc north this week the steelers j biz they keep fighting they just keep fighting man seven six and one they getting it done do. over the titans 19 13 and before i let you sound off on this one we were talking, I said last week, maybe, uh, you know, Mike Vrabel's picked off Big Ben at some point in his career. I didn't know that Mike Vrabel actually was a Steeler. <laughs> he was a, a Steelers, uh, like, as a rookie. He was, I think, drafted yeah. to the Steelers in the third, yeah, yeah drafted he, in the third round of the 97 draft. Yeah, his played first four seasons. Years. Yep. And he has actually picked off Big Ben as well uh, while he was playing for the Patriots. So Did we get a clip that of that? During the- no, they brought it up during the game. I'm sure we could find it somewhere, though. Yeah. Uh, but they brought it up during the game. Cool. Uh, we had the, the pleasure of having Tony Romo for our broadcast yet again. Nice. It's always a good day. And this game comes down to that one play at the very end where Joe Hayden, my one of my favorite sons, even though he's older than me, former Brown, but it seems like he's been playing with the Steelers for just as long as he was a Brown at this point, has yeah. one of the most clutch tackles I have ever seen from a corner, one of the strong, most like brute strength tackles from a cornerback to stop Nick, Nick yeah. Westbrook Ikeen. Is that his name? Westbrook Ikeen from getting the Westbrook first down. Ikeen. Yeah. Stopping him to on fourth down. And what, what are your emotions when you see that play, Jibiz? Did you think he was getting the first down or? I mean, he threw the pass and I jumped up, made a noise. <laughs> um and i knew i mean as soon as he hit him and the play went through i knew that he was short and the initial spot i don't know if you guys were watching the game but initially the ref ran out and set the ball like almost a whole yard ahead of where the guy got and the clock it was like a rolling clock at the end of the game so so the naturally the titans are just trying to run up and line up they're like yep. oh we got it and then they came out to measure and it was like at the line and people were like that's so close. Is that a first down or not? And they're talking about, they're like, they're like, well, they're like, well, it doesn't matter. Cause as soon as they review this, now that they've taken the time to measure, they're going to review this and they're going to be like, Oh, we have this spotted at like the nine and a half. He did not even make it to the 10 and it's very obvious. So once they reviewed it, they moved the whole ball back like a whole yard and they were like, yeah, it's turnover. But Joe Hayden came back. He missed a few games. He was clutched this game, had a diving you could call it a fumble recovery interception. I don't really know what you want to call it. Titans had a player who caught a pass and was getting tackled and rolled over the Steelers player and the ball got popped out. So whether you want to, and then Joe Hayden dove over them and caught it. Uh, So interception, fumble recovery, whatever you want to call it. It was a great play. Uh, So he had a good game. The Steelers had a great second half. Um, I guess that's what we are now is just a second half team. (laughs) That's what we've continued to show. 
Uh, Big Ben in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it takes him a few quarters to get warmed up, get him going. Uh, but once he gets to the fourth quarter, he is he's playing incredible football. So as long as our defense can stay healthy and keep us in a game for that long, we have a chance every week. They're doing that every week. The Steelers defense has been, you know, much maligned for a lot of the season. A lot of people very critical of them. But when they mm. need stops here in these last few games, they've gotten them. So yeah, well – the problem is for two, sometimes three quarters, we can't stop the run at all, which has been a problem the last yeah. few weeks. But Well, they were the epitome of Ben don't break in this one, it seems like, because Tennessee goes up 13-3, a couple of Randy Bullock field goals and that Ryan Tannehill touchdown in the very first, uh, that was the first quarter there for the Titans. And other than that, only two touchdowns in this game. We saw the same thing in your game, Davili, that we'll get to, but both other QB touchdown sneaks. was yep big ben his first touchdown in three years <laughs> for rushing ben. get yeah. one more before you retire <laughs> yeah in reality it looked like before that Najee harris had run the football into the end zone and they didn't really stop to review it they just lined up and pittsburgh said okay we'll just keep running it up the middle until we get it did look like he got in either way we'll take it and four Chris Boswell field goals, two 40, like a 46 and a 48 yarder, two pretty long field goals there in the fourth quarter that gave him the lead and then the six point cushion. And that's what made the Titans have to go for that touchdown, have to get that fourth down conversion where Joe Hayden comes up so crucial with that stop. Did we see, I see Chase Claypool one, <laughs> one catch in this game that, after all the crap that we talked about last week with Chase Claypool, did they like try to you know shun him? Oh, actually, no. He, he didn't have. One. No, he caught he caught a ball early in the game. It was like the first quarter, um, and he got a first down on it and just got right up and lined back. You know, went over to the huddle. He didn't celebrate or anything. Of course, <laughs> uh, but he was playing. He was playing. You know, aggressive all game. Interesting. Uh, ben, I'll tell you what. Ben had a play. It was um, looked like a little RPO where he ended up handing it off and then he got leveled after that. And it was like not right after he handed it off. So it was kind of late and there was no flag on it, which we see guys get, you know, to almost any quarterback that that's a, a penalty. They were talking about in the booth. They couldn't believe it didn't get called. And Ben seemed to get pretty fired up after that. That's the way it looked to me. It seemed like he was fired up and ready to go at that point. Speaking of Big Ben, the whole I saw this picture circulating around social media of I think it was him during halftime, where either that or before the game, because he had sweatpants on, where he goes down down the steps into the Steelers like tunnel down there. And there's just this picture of him with his head down, hands together, like sitting on the steps. I don't know if he was like praying or if he just was doing it for the cameras. Big bad one never. You know, he's a spiritual guy, he uh, went through, it, you know, he went through quite the awakening earlier in his career when he, the party in and the accusations and the motorcycle crash. And I think he right. realized he was, he was, he found God up. when he crashed that bike. Yep. Almost died. Now he's spiritual. He's not religious. He's spiritual. <laughs> but they all say to Billy. Anyway. They all say. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Correction on, on my behalf here, JB, is going back to Claypool. He has one rush for seven yards, but it says he has zero catches but 12 yards. How does that work? Did he, did he like get like a hook and ladder or like did he recover a fumble or recover and run at 12 yards? I mean, 12 yards, that's the first down you're talking about, that 12 yards, or maybe it's the rush that got the, the seven yards for the, the first down. But it says right here, I'm looking at Chase Claypool, zero catches, 12 yards, two targets. So maybe we'll Zero have to do an investigation yards. Investigation into that one. That, that one might take up a little too much time to do on the, on the podcast here live, <laughs> but also big Ben three carries zero yards touchdown <laughs> with a long of one yard. Najee Harris, you know, struggled in this one, 12 carries, 18 yards. The Steelers offense kind of sucked. Jabez, how, how, how are they winning these games? I, I gotta look at defense the stats man. here. We we did enough on offense to not lose the game, and our defense plays incredibly well. 168 yards of total offense for the Steelers. 
we forced what? we forced all those turnovers in the second half, which we couldn't even turn into touchdowns. They were all we all we got all field goals on them. Four turnovers for the Titans there. That's what you're talking about. And then the turnover on downs. I just can't believe that 168 yards. That's that's nuts. Oh my gosh. But then TJ Watt, you know, the guys who did accumulate stats in this game, a sack and a half. What's that put him out for the season, Jay Biz? 17 and a half and still number one in the league. If he can average two sacks a game for the rest of the year, he will be the NFL all-time sack leader for a season. Wow. And we go back and forth, this Miles Garrett, TJ Watt debate. TJ Watt, I'll, I'll say it, he should get defensive player of the year, especially playing fewer games. And the stat I heard today, I was kind of blown away by it. With TJ Watt, the Steelers are 7-3. and three. Without TJ Watt, they are 0-3-1. Maybe even put him in the race for MVP. Because if you talk about guys being valuable to their team, that's case in point right there. Yeah, I definitely think he's our team's most valuable player. For sure. And Ben in this game, despite not putting up huge numbers, becomes the uh, the fifth leading passer in NFL history. Fifth all time. Yeah, just so, over 63,000 yards. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we're in the modern era of the NFL where guys are passing a lot more. But that's still like as far as consistency, sustainability from a quarterback year in, year out, being able to put up those numbers. And obviously, we've seen Brady and Breeze, it seems like, go longer. But Big Ben, very proficient throughout his years, becoming the fifth all-time. So Red Hawk legend, Big Ben. Big Ben's also had more 500-yard games than any quarterback in NFL history. Um, I, believe, that I, did not I believe Ben wow. has three, and no one else has had more than one. Wow. Really? Interesting. Which is insane, right? He's one of only two quarterbacks to have a 500-yard game in the playoffs since him and Brady, both wow. in losses. It Was that the game against the Browns last year? Am I making that up? Yeah, no, it was the game against the Browns, and Brady did it in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Wow. That they lost. Yeah. Well, you got to, you know, he's coming from behind. You yeah. got to pass the ball a lot. It does make sense, wow. I suppose. Crazy, though, isn't it? <laughs> Very crazy, yeah. But 19-13, any, any final thoughts on this one, Jabez? Yeah, we just need to score more touchdowns. If we could convert, score better, more we're, touchdowns. <laughs> we're forcing <laughs> we're forcing so many turnovers, um, especially on their side of the field. Like that's been our whole season, not just in this game, but this season we've been for whenever we force turnovers, are always on the other side of the field, usually. And we just can't turn them into touchdowns. We just come out with field goals. So if we can start doing that, I mean, we could win two of the next three games squeeze in the playoffs wouldn't that be something we joked about the Steelers going 10-6-1 and one or 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one. well the 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one is looking very realistic at this point the 10-6-1 and one, feasible for sure we'll see they yeah we we'll have to Browns. have to beat the Browns the Ravens and the Chiefs uh to go 10-6-1 and one. I think if we do that though I do I mean I don't wouldn't even say I think if we win out, we are in at that point, without a doubt. Yeah. They might win the division at 10, 6, and 1 at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> if things go the right way, then we absolutely will. All it would take is the Bengals losing this week and then us winning out. And I think that would give us enough wins and everyone else enough losses for us to get right. in as the winner of the division. So wow. we're writing them off earlier in the season. I've written them off. <laughs> points this year uh but somehow our division has failed enough to keep our team in the mix to win our division is such clownery and i love it i've never yeah. seen like we're all even we all have essentially the same record all four of us it's nuts yeah, it's, yeah, what a year to do this a one, it's a one game right one game what a year for this right it is Corey's right because normally there's a year where like the ravens are 11 and 5 pittsburgh's 10 and 6 one of, us, four, one of us is out here being three and 13 or some bullshit. Yeah, the other one being the other six one, and 10. The other one's much better at like five and 11. <laughs> yeah. This is cool. This is cool to see. Yes. Or even last year where the, 
even last year where the Bengals only won what like four games. We went four. The other three we teams all four made eleven and one last year. We were not four until we were four eleven and one. We tied the Eagles in some dumbass game. <laughs> now we're gonna have a whole division that's at five hundred or better when the season ends, most likely. Mm, it's gonna be wild. We'll see. We'll see. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'm worried about my team. So me too <laughs> we only have to win one more game to be at 500 for the rest of the year or better so let's go let's go here we go Steelers says Biz, but not me so Steelers 19 Titans 13 TJ Watt a king of the north nominee but not our king of the north this week he would have been a three-time winner he's our only two-time winner but we're not giving it to TJ Watt we're gonna give it to someone else maybe from our next game Davili. Your Bengals going to mile high in the thin air, getting it done. 15-10, yet another game. Only two touchdowns, one for each team here. Not exactly the most pleasing to the eye, but the Bengals got a win, and a win's a win. So I won't do a recap of this game. It was a very, very boring game for the outsider. If you're a Broncos or a Bengals fan, it was a very stressful game. One's going to raise your blood pressure up. If you want the play-by-play, look it up on YouTube. It was a very fascinating game nonetheless. But the four big takeaways I have from this game that I'll get into, because I know we've got some Bengals fans out there listening, and I know y'all are agree, are going to agree. Point number one, Joe Burrow and J-Biz, please tell me if you agree with me on this. I swear to God I'm not making this up. Joe Burrow, in a way, reminds me of a young Ben Roethlisberger. The way he mm. weaves around these defensive tackles, it almost looks like he's doing it in slow motion, like a big man who somehow is evading these sacks and he'll run down the field. He looks like a big, oaf, cumbersome 2006 Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't mean that as an insult in any way. Um, because in the early 2000s, Ben had that way of just like getting around these sacks. And you look at his size, you'd be like, how is he doing that? That makes no sense. I swear to God, I'm seeing the same thing from Joe Burrow. And I love big it. Ben, big Ben used to be a running quarterback. People forget that. Yeah, the man, the man can move, and he's always been big, but he can move back in the day. He can move, but he moved in like a big, friendly, like jolly green. Big, giant type it was of a way. graceful, like Patrick Mahomes, like a like a graceful way. Yes, it's like, like a, a graceful, graceful giant. I swear, I'm seeing the same way. thing from Joe Burrow. You're right, J. Biz. It's it's interesting to watch, and I love it. Um, second, our defensive tackles are balling out. These guys look incredible. They're stopping the run game after game. DJ Reader, former Brown, Larry Ogunjobi, who's only on a one-year mm-hmm. deal with us. God, I hope we resign him. Josh Tupo and BJ Hill all looking incredible. We've got depth. All four are healthy. All four look great. They're stopping the run. They shut down Williams and Gordon yesterday. Number three, Evan McPherson is a weapon of a caliber I've never seen. This kid is the type of dude who – I know I keep talking about him. I'm sorry. I'm going to bring him up again. I'm going to bring up our kicker again. As you 50 should. Garter, Bengals record last night. And he's the type of guy where, like, if you can just get to the 40 and let him do his thing, he'll get you points. He's not one of those guys. It's not like Randy for the last several years where you're like, God, I hope we can get to the 35. And if we can, there's a 50% chance he'll make the field goal. No, Evan McPherson is the kind of guy where you're like, get to the 40. Just, Joe, get our offense to the 40-yard line, and we have three points. And, oh, my God, I can't even tell you how much of a difference that's made on, like, right before halftime, for example, like last night when you just get that three extra points right before you go into the tunnel. Mm -hmm. It's been incredible. 58-yarder. What's that? 58-yarder for Evan McPherson was a Bengals franchise record, but that was after he had the 53-yarder. Now, Davili, did you know that the previous record holder, as far as franchise, was, was Fat Randy? With like yes. a 57 yarder. They said that on broadcast last night, and I was like, shut like, your what? mouth. I thought it was Shane Graham for sure. But they yeah. were like, no, Randy Bullock previously had the, the longest Bengals field goal. Dude, Either way, it's just great. I think Evan McPherson last night, they said he's now eight for nine on the year from 50 or more. I mean, Jesus Christ, what more do you need from a kicker? My final point, and I think this is a fascinating thing. I'm going to get really in-depth here, so if you're not a Bengals fan, I'm sorry. I'm going to bore you for 30 seconds. But what they've done at cornerback this year is incredible. They've kind of gone with the Pac-Man Jones approach where they've taken all these former first-rounders that haven't panned out with their teams, and they're all playing back up for us now. So we've got like a solid depth of like six cornerbacks that are either former starters or former first-round picks. And those guys are uh, Vernon Hargraves, Eli Apple, 
Trey Flowers, these guys who can just come in and they're okay with being a backup at this point in their careers. It has absolutely saved us because our backup cornerbacks last year were Winston Rose, Tony Brown, uh, Tony McRae, <laughs> and LaShawn Sims. All four of those dudes, I shit you not, one year later, 365 day days later, none of those four men are in the NFL now. And so it's just one of those things where it makes you look and you're like, oh, well, no wonder we were 4-11-1 last year. The other 31 teams passed on these guys that we had starting when our main guys were injured for a full season, you know? So it's just really cool. I really love what they've done rebuilding the cornerback room this year. It has absolutely saved us because it's like, yeah, if you get a guy like Eli Apple, no offense to the dude, you probably don't want him starting 16 games of the year, which that's kind of happened at this point, weirdly enough, but you love bringing in a former first round pick as like your CB four. And I love that we have guys like that doing that and not practice squad guys this year, because I swear to God, it has helped us win games. And I love to see it. I saw Eli okay. Apple talking mad shit on Twitter. That both dude yesterday is and today. out of control on Twitter. He needs to relax a little bit. He's going to get his ass beat out. He's kind of putting the target on his back. I'm sure it's not going to age well, but he had one he that has, was like, but, uh, he had one he was like talking about smoking the Jerry Judy pack after the game. Mm -hmm. He said something like, uh, cause there was like an NFL clip, Jerry Judy breaks up Eli Apple interception. He said, best play Judy had all game. <laughs> like him, he, I mean, like <laughs> usually the fans always do that, but it's Eli Apple himself doing that. He even said yes, something like what? his mom is pretty active on Twitter as well. And she said something yeah. to the effect of like something about an interception. He said, Oh, don't worry. Lamar is going to be generous next week. So he's asking for it. If he could deliver, it's great. He is you know, asking for it, but I'm okay with it. It's fun. It's the kind of stuff Pac-Man Jones used to do. Drake Kirkpatrick used to do it, but he get burned more often than not, but it is fun to see. And it, it is one of those things where it's just like this guy has had a rough go of it. He's played for, I think the Bengals are his third team. Now he's a former top 10 pick that just hasn't panned out, but he's looked really good for us. And I almost can't get mad at him because for example, you have Jerry Judy, who's the most explosive wide receiver on that team yesterday had zero catches for zero yards. Eli Apple was shadowing him the whole game. I can't get mad at him. Like what, like he literally couldn't have done better. Absolutely. But the real one who came up big for you guys in this game, it was Tyler Boyd scoring the lone touchdown for the Bengals on that 56-yarder from Joe Burrow late in the third quarter. And that was the the last – those are the last points in this game, right? Made it 15-10. And yes. huge game for Tyler Boyd, though. I think that's why he's our nominee and our winner of King of the North. The King of the North! The King of the North! By the way, boys, I want to point out, I added some auto-tune on the King of the North for like the last like six weeks. I don't know if anybody out there has caught it, but when you hear like the first guy say, the King of the North, it's like a little auto-tuned on there. So if you're listening to this, I know you're on Apple or Spotify, you can go back 30 seconds. Please run it back and appreciate that auto-tune. That's also so HBO can't sue us. See, it's a little different. I haven't, not the same, it's a little different. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to auto-tune, shout out to T-Pain. OG of the game, but also our King of the North, Tyler Boyd, the 56-yard touchdown, and also a key block on one of the Bengals' biggest run plays of the game. Tyler Boyd in this one, five receptions, 96 yards, one touchdown. And Davili, you were saying before we got on air about how special it is to see Tyler Boyd shining in moments like this. It is. He's kind of Mr. Third down on the team. He's just willing to go over the middle, and it's cool to see because the poor dude had to spend like the first four years of his career in AJ Green's shadow. Then he gets extended. He kind of knows when he gets extended, like he's still not quite going to be wide receiver one. Like we didn't have Jamar chase last year, but we got T Higgins and like, obviously there were plans to bring another receiver into the building, whether it was a free agent or a high draft pick, he knew it was coming, but he was cool with it. He's always been loyal. He stayed. And it's cool to see them win because he's given speeches in the locker room and post game where he's been like, you know, I've been on the, the two and 14 team. And it's just, it's just cool to see him finally being on a squad that can get the job done. And that's just good for his career and his mindset, you know? Absolutely. And he's been consistent throughout the one consistent weapon. The Bengals have had kind of the last few years yeah. Think about the Andy Dalton game winner against the Ravens to kick them out of the playoffs. Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd on the receiving end of that one. Just a lot of clutch plays by him for the Bengals throughout the years. 
So the Bengals are really currently sitting atop of the AFC North with that eight and six record. Again, they hold the tiebreaker against the Ravens. Now, moving on to next week, they will face those Ravens, this time in Cincinnati. The Bengals took it to the Ravens. You were there, Davili, last time. I don't think it's going to go that, that, you know, in at least that exaggerated of a fashion this time. But how yeah, are so you feeling? I'm excited. I also don't think it's going to be as in, as much of a blowout as it was in Baltimore. But I think we have a solid, solid chance of winning this. Yeah, and probably better because it's it's the division on the line. So we'll see. Yeah, there's not a you know a division championship game, but at this point in the season, obviously we're all still in it, even for the division crown. But this is looking like it could be the one that actually determines who's going to be the winner of this AFC uh-huh. North. So that one's at one o'clock, Paul Brown Stadium on Christmas Day. My Cleveland Browns travel to Lambeau Field take on Aaron Rodgers and those Packers at 4.30 on Christmas Day. I'll actually be watching Sing 2 with my family right around that time. We're going to the movie at 3, so using the old DVR at the parents' house for this one. I know, Davila, you actually almost had the same problem this weekend. You were watching The Nutcracker this past Sunday at 1 o'clock that you'd scheduled months in advance, and then you found out, like, thankfully, oh, the Bengals played 4, like, thank God. Yes, yes, we we went to The Nutcracker. Oh, how sorry, long no, was it? No, how how long was the nutcracker? Would have did it go all the way up until like Bengals game time? It was time, like or? two and a half hours. It started at one and it went to like three thirty. So uh, see, I know it's not quick. Yeah, I was right back here at like four on the dot, and the game was at four oh five. Because I remember like last week, I was like, oh god, I'm gonna miss the Denver game. I'm gonna need the nutcracker at the ballet. <laughs> but then just by pure at luck, the ballet. We played at four oh five out west, and I was like, let's go! <laughs> like I could, we're we're great. <laughs> It lucked out there. I, I'll have the DVR because I'm watching it going to the movie theater with my parents. We'll be going back to their house. They're the ones that still have cable, so we can use the DVR at their house. So please don't text me. Please don't call me. It'll be very hard for me to stay offline, but I'm going to try my best so I can actually watch this game and, you know, get a uh, – it'll be nice to watch with no commercials for at least, like, the first three quarters or something until I finally get caught up. But we'll see how that goes for me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to resist the urge to – open up my phone we'll try but pittsburgh they'll be in kansas city the day after christmas taking on mahomes at arrowhead the chiefs just had a thrilling victory on thursday over the chargers and jay biz you know i would say the steelers are overmatched in this one but i've been thinking they're overmatched for a while now and so i don't i don't know i mean it's anybody's game yeah we'll see i mean if we can uh a lot of pressure on Mahomes. You know who's on the COVID list right now is uh, Travis Kelsey. I did see that. Just added this Monday today as we record this, he was added. So I mean, he could definitely be back by Sunday, but we'll see. You know, obviously it's, he's not injured, so I'm not wishing any ill will. But hopefully, well, with these updated protocols, who knows? JB is Travis Kelsey. We would think you know majority of NFL players are vaccinated. He may be one of them. He may be not. I don't know if that's been released at this point, but if he's without them, I mean, they still have Tyree Kill and several other weapons. They have Josh Gordon, who may be activated from the COVID list in time for this game. So mm-hmm. it'd be poetic for me for Josh Gordon to have another big play against the Steelers. You know, he had a touchdown a couple of weeks ago for the Chiefs. Good to see him back in the NFL. But we'll see how it goes. And no games can be uh ignored at this point no no games are throwaways all of our teams are still in it a truly a great place to be as we enter week 16 of the nfl season i don't think we uh, any of us expected for it to like still matter for all of us at this point again so shout out to the football gods for getting us here before we go today we have one more thing everyone's favorite segment the dick of the week and our dick of the week this week his name's not dick but i'm sure you guys are understand former browns wide receiver Fair Hooker. Fair Hooker played for the Browns <laughs> from 69. So many of these guys play in the year 1969. Played for the Browns from 69 to 74 and was a you know fast, dependable wide receiver for the Browns. Fair Hooker, great name. He went to Arizona State. <laughs> Fair Hooker, as I said, played from 69 to 74 in Cleveland. The only time he played in the NFL, his only team. Had a total of eight career touchdowns, 
you know, about <laughs> at best two for a season. Dependable. I, I kind of liken him to to one of these guys. It's like a like a good slot wide receiver, maybe like a Rashard Higgins nowadays. Like not a not a guy that's you know on many fantasy teams, but is always on the roster. Kind of a consistent guy on the roster that will come make a few plays in a few crucial games, get a couple touchdowns a year, and yeah. maybe I don't know if he had a touchdown celebration like Rashard Higgins rolling out the red carpet in the photo shoot but fair hooker you know we no shame to sex workers out there fair hooker you know not the best but no fair. shame to us sports fair hooker though great name great player and our dick of the week again not dick we're, we're running out of dicks here guys we're gonna have to start stretching a little bit so fair hooker our first dicks. big straying from we, we had rich cash rick cash now we're just straying big time i will say to all the no love lost faithful i finally compiled a list of all of our dicks of the week for throughout this season and i want to apologize we used dick wood twice for uh you know probably just me being a little lazy one of these weeks trying to find our dick of the week but his name is dick wood how can i not use him twice i mean come on guys so for hooker congratulations to you congratulations to all our dicks of the week you guys know any dicks that could be our, our next dick of the week not an nfl one no oh yeah not yet. I'll have to do some research. You can be research. in the NFL yet, Davili. No, he's not. Well, he's my great uncle. He's in his 70s, so I don't think he's going to make it. <laughs> we'll see. Well, to all our listeners out there, if you know any dicks that you think are worthy of our dick of the week on the football field or beyond, hit me up. Slide in our DMs, as always. No Love Lost NFL. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Posted a TikTok this week. I want to say, boys, we're at 4,000 views. I know that's not really big. In TikTok terms, we have a, about four TikToks that are like, at least in my eyes, like semi-viral. Because this one was is a Odell Beckham Jr. training with like the light training. Well, the light know, things. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and check it out, listener. You, I can't describe it to you. You just have to see it. As that's why I think TikTok's commercials actually say you just have to see it. So we have that one. We have one that pretty popped off of like uh, Jamar Chase's Nike foam posit cleats. And a couple others, one being of Baker Mayfield taking pictures of Richard Higgins' red carpet celebration. So check us out on TikTok if you're on there. I'm not personally, except for the podcast. I'm trying to catch up with these kids out here. But mm-hmm. follow us on Instagram, Twitter. It is kind of crazy, the discrepancy between our TikTok numbers and our Instagram numbers. I post the same thing to Instagram and TikTok. And on Instagram, it gets six likes. And then on TikTok, we get 100 likes and 4,000 views on it but TikTok stars yeah so amateur TikTok stars no love lost it's exactly what we were aiming for when we set out to make this podcast so shout out to you boys you'll make it viral yet maybe by the time we roll around next season one of us will be on uh on showtime on the jake paul undercard so let's keep going we could do it and merry christmas everybody you're gonna you know this is our last episode before christmas tidings of comfort and joy out there, as Davili pointed out, you celebrate Kwanzaa, light at that Kanara. Light that Kanara every Santa's, day. Santa's going to watch you sleep. Yeah, that's see. a little creepy, Javis, but you know, Santa's out there. You know, hopefully, Santa is not a Steelers fan. Thanks for listening to this episode of No Love Lost, an AFC North Roundtable. If you like us, well, obviously, you do here at this point in the episode, so subscribe to us. Please leave us a review. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Love Lost NFL. 